0: Hello and welcome back to the Thunder 6 podcast. I'm your host Ben Kreider and in today's podcast I'm going to be going over the Thunder Pelicans game in Steven Adams return to the peak. My thoughts on how we played and who played well, the Thunder youth getting their opportunity in this game and why I am loving what I am seeing in head coach Mark Dagnault. But before I go into that, I just want to wish you guys a great 2021. I know 2020 sucked for a lot of you out there, and there are a lot of moments in this year we probably would like to keep in 2020. One of those moments, the Thunder Pelicans game, and I'll go into that in a second now. But yeah, so as this game started, the Thunder had a nice Steven Adams tribute before the game. I don't really know if it was on in the stadium. I know that they played it on Fox Sports Oklahoma, like right before tip-off. I think if they actually did put it in the stadium before the game, that would be the weirdest, most awkward thing ever. Like, you got 30 people out there. You got just the staff. There's not really any fans out there. Maybe you got, like, the media up top and the press boxes clapping, but just be super awkward, man. Like, Steven Adams would probably not care i don't think any of the players would be really saying much just would not be a very great time so i hope they didn't put that on i think they should just leave that for um whenever the pelicans and thunder match up with fans again so i think it was a good call if they didn't have it on the stadium but anyways in this game we were coming in at one and two the pelicans were two and two the pelicans were dead last in scoring they've been averaging 98 0.8 points in their first four as well as dead last and three-point shooting they haven't even cracked the 30 percent mark so kind of some questions would they be able to put the points up would they be able to hit from three i mean early on in this game really neck and neck for the thunder 16 of their 21 shots in the first quarter were all from downtown and they hit seven of those 16 so they had 21 of their 28 points from three 75 percent of their points in that corner in the quarter were from downtown so i love to see it all those looks were pretty much wide open so we were just completely exploiting the pelicans really it felt like we were up 20 points it looked like we had the splash brothers out there and it wasn't like there was just one or two people hitting it was like the whole team just draining three after three so i was super excited to see it i think maybe five of our first six shots were three balls so yeah it was a really good time I thought we were up a ton Um we actually weren't even leading in that first quarter the Pelicans you know they've had issues from the three and they were trying to stay away from it one issue they've had is you know Zion and Adams they both really can't shoot that well so the paint has been clogged they figured it out in the first quarter and they dropped 20 points in the paint if you guys remember in our um, last game against the Magic, we gave up 24 points in the paint in the first, and it was still a problem early. They put 20 points in the paint. The Pelicans were up early. They were up 31-28, entering the second. Adams led the Pelicans in scoring uh, in that first. He had 8 points. A lot of just putbacks for him. He may have had one of his you know, cool push shots that we've seen him do a ton With us in his 7 years with the Thunder. But he was just aggressive. He was not passive whatsoever. Which is some things that he's kind of struggled with. In his last couple seasons he was a bit passive. Super aggressive early on with those 8 points. For us, George Hill and Al Horford had 6 apiece. I think both of them hit two threes in the quarter. I think we may have witnessed history in this game. As Thunder head coach Mark Dagnall called a coaching challenge... Not even a minute into this game. With 11.07 left in the first quarter, he already used his challenge. Brandon Ingram went up for a three at the top of the key. And they called Dort for a shooting foul. Watching it on television, it didn't look like Dort even hit Ingram. So I think Dagnall might have seen the same thing. Like, no way he hit hit him. Uh, They went to review and it was clear as day. Dort hit him. While he was going up for the shot. So the rest made the right call. I just really like that he used his early. And I will go into that a little bit more later on. But yeah, that was something that I love to see from them. And then in the second, the Thunder shot just 4 of 13 from 3 in the quarter. They were really hot. I told you they hit 7. They were 7 of 16 in that first quarter. They dropped to 4 and 13. From three in the second. They only put 19 points up. In the quarter. And the Pelicans. They also struggled from three. They went three of ten. But they had 12 points in the paint. Compared to r six. So that's really what elevated them. And then they went on an 8-0 run. To close the half. In the final three and a half minutes. That pushed their lead up to 11. The Thunder were down. 47 to 58. Entering the second half. And in the third quarter, neither team could really gain any sort of ground. It was pretty much a back and forth. I think the Thunder might have chipped the lead down to six a few minutes into the third, but Pelicans went right back. It was really just lingering around like the 8 to 12 range all the quarter. Some things to note, though, Darius Baisley was super aggressive starting that half out, and he actually got two quick fouls on Zion Williamson. Zion picked up his third and fourth fouls just five minutes into the third and he had to sit the rest of that quarter so basley's aggression paid off big time and the other thing with three to go in the quarter brandon ingram straight up sledgehammered isaiah robey in the face while he was going up for a layup take a listen to this Hayes wasn't ready for the pass Three-on-one for the Thunder. Diallo sends it up, and Roby got hacked and fouled by Ingram. That was a hard one. Yeah, They're going to have to take a look at that. Wow. That was a vicious hit up in the air. Man. Well, beautiful up pass. Oh, yeah, that that is a shot to the head of Roby. That was straight-up brutal. We witnessed a crime right there. You know, for a second, it looked like maybe Ingram was just a couple inches shy of the ball. But the way he came down on Roby's face, man, like, come on. That was terrible. You could have pulled that back or at least been a little bit, you know, less aggressive. This man just smacked him right on the face. The refs got it right. They got him out of the game. That was a flagrant two foul. And he took his time getting off the court. Like, he should have been escorted. You know, the guys... The Thunder guys still have our security out there, you know, with the red coats. So I'm happy they are still participating. They haven't lost their job due to COVID or anything. So they really haven't had to do much so far. They should have taken Ingram out. Ingram was out giving high fives to every Pelicans player, hugging the coaches. Like, what are you doing, man? Get to the back already. We should have called on the security, get him out of there. There was like a whole possession where in the background, Brandon Ingram is like, Giving bro fist to Jackson Hayes, like, come on, dude. Just come let's go. He finally ended up leaving, but I think that would have been a good use of the sh- security right there. Personally, I thought that with Ingram being taken out of this game, that would have been a turning point in the Thunder's favor. Brandon Ingram was the team's leading scorer at that point, and at the end of the game he still was. He had 20 points on eight of 16 shooting, seven boards and two assists on his time playing there. So, yeah, I just thought with a guy like that being taken out, that would be our perfect opportunity. Seize the moment and take away from, I think they had a 12-point lead by the time he had to leave. It was either 10 or 12. Actually, you know what? Take it back. It was 10 because in those final three minutes of the quarter, they extended it to 12. So they actually gained two more points. Didn't seem like they took much of a hit with Brandon Ingram gone so they were up 85 273 entering that fourth quarter Mark Dagnall in the final couple minutes of that third and in the fourth threw out a lineup of Teo Maladon at the one Hamadou Diallo two-way player Josh Hall Alexei Pokachevsky and Isaiah Roby rounding out that five the Pelicans were running a majority of their starters so The Thunder just could not get things going with the lineup that we had out there. And it was completely cool. It was all about just giving these young guys some shots to perform. It didn't seem like we were doing that terrible. We got good looks even with those five. Just couldn't hit it. There were a couple of clumsy plays here and there. But overall, it didn't seem like they were doing that bad until you looked at the stat sheet. Through two minutes, we only had two points to our name. The Pelicans on the other hand, they had 17. So they just completely blew the game open. It's pretty much all she wrote. Thunder ended up having 7 points in total in the fourth quarter. Pelicans had 28. So we ended up losing by 33 points. 80 to one, 80 to 113 was your final score of the game. For the Pelicans, they had seven players in double digits. Adam in his overall Adams in his return game put up a double-double. He had 14 points and, and 10 rebounds. 8 of those points, like I said earlier, came in that first quarter. Just super aggressive and he continued to stay aggressive. Something that he really was not showing In his first couple games with the Pelicans. I think he figured it out. And what other place to get comfortable than the peak. Because, you know, he's been there for seven years. Anyways, another dude I want to highlight. Nikhil Alexander Walker. He had 14 points off the bench for the Pelicans. He was a major factor in getting them the W. Specifically in that second half. And fun fact. I know that Chris Fisher said this on the broadcast. But he's actually... SGA's cousin. They grew up together in Toronto. And Nikhil not only won the family rivalry in that game with the W, but he also won on the stat sheet. SGA had a season low of 8 points on 3 of 10 shooting. He went 2 of 6 from downtown. And he had 4 rebounds and 4 assists as well. But the Thunder as a team just lived and died by the three they were killing it in the first from deep like i said seven threes for them but then after that they just went cold they were seven of 32 from three in those final three quarters that is just 21 percent from the field and they couldn't really ever get it going in the paint it was all just jacking up those threes they were good looks not falling. That's how you end up getting those 21% uh from there. And that's why I end up losing by 30 plus in the game. But going into player stats, I know I already covered SGA, but I expected a 30 piece from him. I was hyping him up in the preview podcast, as well as in an article on my game preview I have on my website, Kyle Singler for MVP.com. Make sure to check it out. I had him as a guy I thought was going to be dropping like a 30-piece. I thought he'd be wide open on shots, like off of screens with Adams being their dude down low. I don't think he's fast enough to help at all on screen. So if you're getting a high screen from him, SGA I thought would be wide open for a MIDI or something. He was for the most part, but he just could not convert. And that's how he ended up just scoring in single digits with 8 points. Al Horford actually was the team leader in points, and he wasn't too hot in our first three games with the team. I'm not even sure if he cracked double digits, but I know that he was kind of stinking it up from downtown and not being that great of an asset. He still was doing nice on rebounds, but just shooting-wise, it wasn't there. He was shooting great in this game. He was 7-9 from the field, 3-5 from downtown, 17 points With 6 rebounds and 3 assists. Really could not complain about him on the offensive end. Just one thing though, man. I don't know exactly if the game plan is always for Al Horford to be camping down though On screens in general. But there's so many high screens that are being used on the Thunder. Specifically early on in these games and in the later parts. Whenever Horford is on the floor for us, they are going screen- heavy. And the reason they're doing this is because Al Horford is not trying to hedge. He's not fast enough to really keep up with these screen setters. So if they roll, Horford's kind of caught up in a bad situation. So he's a bit of a liability in the pick and roll and the Pelicans use that to their advantage. And that's how guys like Brandon Ingram and Nikhil Alexander Walker found some touch tonight. It was off the screen. So if he's stepping up on the screens, Perfect game from Al Horford. There's nothing I can complain about from him. Darius Baisley. He was 3 of 14 in the Magic game. He played a bit better in this one. He was 2 of 6 from the field. 0 of 3 from downtown. He was still camping in the corner. Getting the looks he wanted. Just could not hit them. Just right off the mark every single time. Really not... I mean, these were high-percentage looks. Just couldn't fall, man. Not, you know. These were some high-percentage looks, man. So, I'm not complaining about him going over three. I think he got what he needed. It just stinks that they didn't fall for him. He did a great job attacking Zion Williamson in this game. He had a couple turnovers early on where, were really, they should have been legal. Like, one of them, he did, like, a little... Step to the side to get inside they called it a travel I call BS I think it was cool he ended up making that layup by the way but he was just doing little hop steps euro steps whatever he needed to navigate through the paint did it perfectly he got to the line a couple times he shot three free throws um but with Zion Williamson you know you got to match up with him you have to be physical and he completely did and as I said in that third he gave him those two quick fouls and I think Zion had a real test. And even though basil only had seven points to his name, he really did, did make a big impact because Zion Williamson was really silent in this game. This was a guy I thought would be starring for them, dropping like 25 on Baisley. No, he only had 12 points on four or six shooting. He could only play for 17 minutes due to the fouling trouble that he had. I think he could have been thrown in in the fourth, but, you know, just due to it, kind of already being determined he didn't get thrown out there but anyways he limited his minutes due to getting him in foul trouble and that's what you need to do to Zion Williamson great stuff from Baisley. I think that's a, a good thing to be taken away from that game for him Lou Dort three of eight on shooting two of four from downtown he had eight points three rebounds an assist and a steal One thing with Dort was he was coming into this averaging 19 a contest, and I think we all kind of knew in the back of our heads that probably would not be like the common trend every single game with him. I think there's some ups and downs. When he's feeling it, he's feeling it. When he's not, he's kind of taking that backseat like that Andre Roberson role where he's just a defensive specialist. And on offense, he's kind of hiding away, going inside when he needs to, but not doing anything extra. This was a game where he did a great job from three. I mean, two of four, when he had the open looks, he was taking them. He drove in a couple times. He was one of four on drives. Just couldn't hit it every time. I mean, when you got the brick wall and Steven Adams himself, one for four really is not that bad when you're thinking about it. But I like what Dort did. He actually held Brandon Ingram to a good, uh, like a pretty good, shot percentage like Ingram was not hitting many shots when Dort was out on him he ended up going 8-16 from the field but when he got hot I don't even think Dort was the primary defender so Dort did a good job locking Ingram up early in the game George Hill and his return he was 3-7 2-5 from three he had eight points and four assists solid thing from him I mean he's always just that Perfect glue guy to fit in with us. So, like what I saw from him there. Mike Muscala. 10 points on 16 minutes. He's too consistent, guys. We do not know what we have in Muscala. If he was on like the Lakers or something right now, everybody would be scared of him off the bench. And really, he could be playing like big time minutes and be putting up 15 a game when left open. He's deadly, guys. He went 4-7, 2 from downtown. Nothing you can complain about with this game. He just does whatever the team wants him him to be doing off these pick and rolls. There was a drive-in where he set a screen. Poku was the ball handler. Poku found him again on the cut. Easy two points. This happened in the last game as well. So he's been a nice force for us on the pick and roll. And just shooting-wise, man, once these teams start to cover up on him, Maybe we'll see a drop in his percentages, but with nobody guarding up on Mike Muscala on these pick and pops, he's going to be shooting 40% every single game and higher. I think 40% is kind of the minimum we're going to be seeing from him if he's not covered at all. So Mike Muscala, good as always. Alexei Pokachevsky. I'll go into all these rookies in a little bit. I do just want to say with him, turnovers was a bit of an issue. He did good passing, though, and he did help out a lot with Mike Muscala. Another dude, Hamanu Diallo, he was like the ISO specialist in the Magic game. I think he cracked double digits. And this one, pretty, pretty cold. He was only one of six from the field. He had three points. He hit a layup, and then he got to the line, split those. That's how he got to the um, three points right there. He did not hit a three. Shot two of them, though, which with Diallo, he normally doesn't like shooting. I like that he tried shooting the ball out, man. And He had a rebound and three assists, and he's not known for passing the ball like how he was distributing when things were not going for him. I do think one of six, though, not the best up percentages. It could have been way worse. I mean... We've had times where Diallo's like 1 of 8 because he just keeps driving in over and over. Limited himself, and that's how he got to those 3 assists, man. Because he knew that it was not his time, so he decided to dish it off to players who had the hot hand. The issue was, not a lot of players had a hot hand in this game. Not really sure how many people on our team ended up with a percentage over 50. I just got it. 3 players shot over 50% in this game. It was Roby... It was Al Horford, and it was Mike Muscala, but yeah. Now, moving on to some of the younger guys, the Thunder Youth getting their opportunity. I talked about Poku. I kind of wanted to leave him for this segment right there. That's why I kind of just left you with that one-liner and moved on to Diallo. I'll go into Poku right now. Poku, in his 21 minutes, 3 points, 1 of 4 shooting. Guys, he finally hit a three ball and he hit it and like his res- after he hit it he was so nonchalant about it like maybe he could have he, i think he might have cracked a smirk but i mean he hit it and he was like so still face he was like oh my god finally i made one just back to business with him eventually there's gonna be one of these games where he is like 20 to 20 he's dropping 50 points and everyone's like where the hell did this happen He's been close on all of his shots, and all of his shots have been pretty solid looks. So it's just a matter of time before we see him crack that double-digit mark and finally get a feel from things. He just has to sort things out early. We know, like, in the preseason, he was doing great. Took a step back. Maybe just the, the bright lights of it being called the regular season now. There's not any fans, so that couldn't be the reason why. But maybe he's just a little bit timid right now. He'll get the things sorted out he had five rebounds two steals and four assists and the four assists thing is what I really want to stress he is so good at jump passing where he's driving in and he pretends to go up for a shot and then out of nowhere he just throws the thing down low or throws the thing across the court and it's going to be an easy bucket because he draws two people in and that's where the jump pass comes into play with him he did get kind of clumsy with things though six turnovers in this game it's just a learning moment he's had struggles with the ball pretty much in all four of the games i'm not sure exactly how many turnovers he's had through the course of the season but i think six is probably the most he's had in a game so far where they came from were the jump passes so the jump passes have been killer you know when he has the guy open but he was kind of just forcing them like he found himself in a good shot and instead of just going up with it, he hesitated and just kind of launched the ball. Just somebody who, quite frankly, just wasn't open. So these were six pretty easy you know turnovers by Poku. And you know, the defenses kind of got off the uh got off loose there because Poku threw it really right at them. And then there was one jump pass in particular where slings it all the way across the court, no way that this man was catching. I think it was Teo Maladon who was intended for. If this guy could jump up 15 feet, yeah, that would have been a good pass. It was just a little bit too high up for him. Just needs to get settled in. He's great with jump passing. I think he's just been a little bit scared to get the ball off when he's open, and I think maybe he's a bit confused on when he's open and when he's not. It's just a confidence issue, in my opinion, so far. Teo Maladon is... He played 26 minutes for us. That was one of the highest on the team. The only person who played more, or the only people, were SGA and Bazley. They played 29 and 27, respectively. We've seen Maladon get a ton of minutes, and I like him as that backup too. 2-9 and 2-7 and and from 3. A lot of those looks were wide-open catch-and-shoots, and I'm so happy to see Maladon getting them off. The two that hit looked beautiful, like nothing but net. The other five, just right off the mark. So, like I said, with Poku, it's just going to be one of those games where out of nowhere he's hitting all his shots and everyone's going wild. He did get times where he was with Roby in the high pick and roll, which is my favorite play. Like, whenever I see Roby going up to set a screen for Maladon, I get super duper excited because I love that tandem together. They've been killing it since the preseason. I think the roster construction around those two have been a bit iffy, but they have been changing the rotation around with Roby and Maladon together in these past two games. They have seen playing time with each other, but yeah. He did get a a little bit of time in that pick and roll. The lane was a bit too clogged, though, for him to operate, so it wasn't like the preseason where he just had a great look at the rim. There's a guy like Adams or Jackson Hayes down there already, so not a lot to work with. It's all good there. Just another thing, it's going to be one of those games where he breaks out. Another dude that I want to mention is Josh Hall. And Josh Hall got like he got done pretty dirty in the Magic game. He played like a total of 45 seconds to a minute in his NBA debut. He got a shot off in in that game, but there was like 30 seconds left. And this one, he pretty much got run most of the fourth quarter. He had 10 minutes And he had plenty of time to work. He put it up five times, one of five, one of four from downtown. He tried pulling off a step back early, and then his other shots were mainly just, you know, jacking up like a three ball in the corner, which was relatively open, just right off the mark. Same thing with Baisley. Um, You know, I don't expect him to be missing all the time. So it's a net positive from Josh Hall. I thought he looked pretty good. He definitely looks like an NBA player. He's not like super duper slow. He fits that 6 foot 8 point forward mold. He's pretty fast for his size and he did get inside for a layup in the game. Uh it, he ended up not converting on it and he got to a line off the layup. Like he drove in, took that contact. On his two free throws, both of them missed. It is what it is. I'm liking Josh Hall. He did have 3 fouls in the game needs to iron that out but i do want to see more from josh hall in these next games isaiah roby this was the dude that i have been raving about i think everybody has been raving about him since his game against orlando with the 19 and 7 performance he still was just as good he had 18 minutes and he was kind of put in some weird roles today he wasn't playing the same like small ball center he was facing up on Zion for like half of those 18 and he was doing great he drew a charge on Zion Zion thought he had an easy putback layup takes a shot at Roby's chin Roby's probably gonna have to get a couple stitches after this game he got hit in the jaw right there or in the chin whatever from Zion and then sledgehammered in the face by Ingram like I said so Probably rough from him. He probably has a headache, a migraine, whatever it may be. He was taking the shots, though, and he was standing his ground just like he has been in every single game with the Thunder. 3 of 5 shooting, 0 of 2 from 3, 1 of 4 from the line, and he had two free throws since Brandon Ingram got ejected. Missed them both, and then I think he got two more free throws off the play since it was a shooting foul. Split those. I'm not really too worried about it, to be completely honest with you. Six rebounds. Two of those came on offense. He is just aggressive, man. He's giving me those, like, Diallo plays on the boards. Roby's not skying up like Diallo is, but he's just super scrappy. Like, he is fighting for every single second he has on the court. And that's what I'm loving about Isaiah Roby right now. Mark Dagnall, with putting him on for 18 minutes. I love to see that from him. You know, he saw how well he did. He didn't want to just leave him out of the rotation or play him like tiny minutes. No, he threw him right into the fire and his first matchup in the game, like I said, was on Zion. So I'm loving Roby. Keep him in the rotation. When it's a blowout, I mean, you can still leave him in, but I want to see him in close games as well. He's not just a dude you throw in in the fourth when the game is pretty much determined. We have something, Roby guys. Moses Brown got playing time. So both two way players got minutes. Josh Hall got more. Moses Brown had three. Just one layup from him. He kind of is just that typical like post up center. 7 foot 2, a little bit skinny. Think he's gonna be developing in the G League for us. We do have that hole at the center though. I'm a little bit surprised he didn't play much against the Magic because Horford was gone, but it's nice to see them at least give him a shot. When we're looking at who had to play or who got playing time in the game, 13 of our 15 active players got minutes. The only two players who did not touch the floor were Justin Jackson and Darius Miller. And Darius Miller has kind of been injured all season. Like, I mean, he had that ACL injury or... Yeah, he had the Achilles injury last season. So I guess, I mean, he's not on the injury list, but maybe they're just still waiting on him. They they want to take it a bit easy with him. But um, with Justin Jackson, man, he started in the Magic game. He wasn't that great. So... Maybe he just pulled the plug on him. I'm not too sure what happened there. I didn't mention Kenrich Williams in this. I'm sorry. I really don't know where to group him, honestly. He's 26, so I think I should bring him up in the core. But he's also just new on the Thunder. He was 0-3 on this game, uh, 0-1 from downtown. Really not a big factor, but yeah. So everyone got playing time in the game except for Jackson and Miller I don't know what the situation is with Jackson because if everyone got to play, I don't see why he didn't get to touch the court either. We'll see in time what's going on with him. But the next thing I just want to talk about, I'm loving what I am seeing from Mark Dagnall, guys. With that first challenge, in the first minute of the game, at first I was like, dude, what is he doing? But then I kind of thought about it. I was like, you know, that really didn't look like a foul on the TV. And you know, majority of these games, the coaches aren't even burning their their challenge, you know? The Pelicans didn't use one. You could say they didn't have to, but yeah, they never used theirs. The Thunder, I know they haven't used theirs in one or two of these games so far. So it was a smart move. Three points a minute into the ball game is the same as three points with ten seconds left in the fourth quarter, you know? So It doesn't matter at what point it is. If you see a call you feel like challenging, take it. And the fact that it was Lou Dort on this foul, I think it makes it even better because if it's successful, Dort still having zero fouls. I mean, if Dort gets too early, that's a huge liability because, you know, the backups really, and yeah, the backups and truthfully the starters just are not on the same level defensively as Dort. So you don't want to get him. With a quick foul within a minute. Makes sense that he called it. Sucks that it was unsuccessful. But I'm just super super happy. That he had the courage to do that. So early on. Just look at the play style. He's all about spacing the floor. And this little live by the three. Died by the three. Thing that we saw in tonight's game. I'm so cool with it. I like that he just wants to get guys open looks. And that he did. Billy Donovan was more about set offenses and liked using ISOs a little bit too much. There were a lot of stagnant guys, and it led to people like Patrick Patterson and really Mike Muscala just sitting in the corners, not being much of a factor in these games. Mark Dagnault wants to take every little skill that a player has and put it in the place. Like he wants everybody moving. There's a lot of wide open looks, whether it's off of those drives or continuous passes, lots of cuts to the basket, and all these little things, like I said, he wants he wants to see them doing on the court. So everybody is given just some new roles, really. Darius Baisley has been given the has been given the green light to be a secondary ball handler through these first four games, and he's shown flashes all throughout it. He's not going to pull that away from him. He knows that's a huge skill Bazley has. Wants him to keep growing it, man. So those reps on him are going to continue to go up as he gets more and more successful with Pokachevsky. He hasn't been doing too well, but despite that, Tagnold's still giving him the consistent minutes. He's letting Poku get the rebound on one end and take the ball up the floor. He's pretty fast for a seven-foot... 7'3 wingspan frame that he has so he doesn't have to go for that outlet every time and typically what you see is when a big guy power forward center whatever it is gets a board you're immediately given the outlet to a point guard or you're just starting a fast break with a pass he doesn't care about the outlet passes with Poku when he gets it he wants to see him try to start things on his own and Poku's been a bit passive like he'll take the ball up the floor and just kind of pause, and then he'll give the pass off. But, you know, one of these times, he's going to just take it himself to the lane and pull up some of these times, and he's going to probably just do that, you know, a frequent amount of times and add that kind of stuff to his arsenal to keep these defenses guessing. And with turnovers, like, it's not an issue. He's letting Poku... Be the ball handler on these pick and rolls and be a decision maker when it comes to them. Like he wants to see him passing the ball around to people. And that's why I mentioned turnovers like 10 seconds ago. If turnovers happen, he's cool with it. Just bounce back on the next play with Mike Muscala. He's a major part of the offense off this bench. And in the pick and roll, he's probably our best screen setter right now. On that pick and pop, he won million percent is he's setting the screens and he's sneaking in on these cuts whenever people are expecting that pop he slides in gets the easy two and when the defense is back he's at the top of the key and he's nailing it down it's not that just catch and shoot roll he had with Donovan it's totally expanded and he's even seen times where he's just working on his inside game which we definitely never saw with Donovan so I'm loving him with Diallo, he's getting his minutes. There's no like battle where he's not getting minutes and Ferguson's playing like 30 a game. Now, Ferguson's not with this anymore. He's with the 76ers. But Diallo, I mean, he has a safe spot right now. And he's allowed to ISO. He's allowed to make decisions for himself when it comes to passing it out, not passing it out. He's probably getting pulled aside when he's jacking up too many shots. And What we've seen through these first four games, we saw really what we've seen from Diallo these past two or three years with him in a Thunder jersey where he's getting the ball, driving in and not looking to pass. That was game one, maybe even game two. In games three and four, he's been more about passing the ball. And he's going to be trying to pass the ball out when he drags another defender in there or he's not feeling it. And there's going to be times where he just doesn't want it when... He's not feeling it, so he's gotten instilled that discipline in Diallo. I think with Isaiah Roby, he's getting a shot at the small ball center. Like he's six foot eight. Typically, you don't see that from a guy like this. Like I can't really tell you many six foot eight people playing at center, especially those who are like two hundred and twenty pounds. Like Roby's not a very big guy. He's just liked what he's seen on defense from him. And he's giving him a crack at stuff like this. And then even playing big minutes against like Zion. So he's all about giving Roby those chances with the team. the best part about Dagonal, comes to all this He's been more about passing the ball. Like I mentioned, he's going to be trying to pass the ball. he drags another defender in there or not in. One or two bad and So, I'm super duper excited with this squad heading into the future. Their next game is a rematch against the Orlando Magic. It's going to be Saturday at 7. So, we will see how they respond to losing our first game against the Magic. You know, we lost by 11 or whatever. But we got Horford back. Seems like a lot of our guys have been given opportunities to shine. And they will have yet another one against the Magic. Other than that, I got nothing for you all. I wish you guys all the best. I hope you have a good rest of your day. Rest of your year, really. And I will talk to you guys later. See ya. all these players just becoming even better and better so i'm super duper excited with this squad heading into the future their next game is a rematch against the orlando magic it's going to be saturday at seven so we will see how they respond to losing our first game against the magic you know we lost by 11 or whatever but we got horford back seems like a lot of our guys have been given opportunities to shine, and they will have yet another one against the Magic. Other than that, I got nothing for you all. I wish you guys all the best. I hope you have a good rest of your day. Rest of your year, really. Um, And I will talk to you guys later. See ya. The best part about all these opportunities is Dagnall is okay with mistakes. He's not pulling you after a string of bad plays. He wants the players to work through it and ultimately become the best basketball players they can be.